You are now tuned in to the AddictedToSuccess.com podcast, where geniuses, entrepreneurs, and next-level game-changers share their juicy little secrets on achieving massive success. This is the advice you wish you heard years ago. Be prepared and take note as we expose the realness and the raw of what it takes to be successful on AddictedToSuccess.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. Now today, I have an amazing individual by the name of Lewis Howes, right here with me. We're in Lewis Howes' studio. Greatness studio, baby. Yeah. Look at this view. It's amazing, huh? It's epic. It's <laughs> absolutely epic. So if you haven't heard of Lewis, he has an incredible <laughs> podcast called The School of Greatness. He also has a book coming out. What is it, Lewis? A few days from now? A few days from now. Whenever you put this up, it's October 27th. I'm not sure when you're posting this, but yeah. Oh, we'll post it ASAP. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So get your hands on the School of Greatness. Uh, this one here is a game changer for sure. I've had a skim through the book, and it's absolutely incredible. I know the people that you've uh, been blessed to be around and be mentored mm-hmm. by, and I know that you've you know, set up multi-million dollar online businesses, mm-hmm. and you've just, uh, you know, you've done so much. You've achieved so much at such a young age. So, mm-hmm. mate. Thank you for joining me on the Addicted to Success podcast. Thanks for having me, Welcome man. To the show. It's always been fun to follow your journey. You know, before I knew who you were, I knew of the site, but I don't think you even put your name on the site anywhere. So it was kind of like, yep. who's the guy behind yep. Addicted to Success? <laughs> and your social media channels have blown up and everyone uh, loves your stuff. So thanks for inspiring us. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. So anyway, that's enough about me. <laughs> uh, let's get into you, man. So... I know that you've interviewed an array of amazing people on this podcast. Yeah. And someone that really stood out to me was Tony Robbins. I'm sure you and I are probably mm-hmm. sharing an affinity where yeah. you know, we grew up listening to this uh, amazing individual. He's here in LA right now. He is. UPW. I saw yeah. him in his helicopter point out where he used to live near Venice Beach. Nice. <laughs> so uh, what, is a, what is that one uh, lesson that you learned from Tony when you had the chance to sit <coughs> with him and uh, have a chat with Presence. him? Presence. Like uh, I've never met a guy. Did you interview him in person or no? Over the phone, man. And I felt like he, he wow, was man. present. He was, uh, you know, we, we set it up where I was like sitting right next to him. So it's different when you're across the table from someone like this. But he was right next to me the whole time. And I've never seen a guy so present and in the moment and connected to me. Mm-hmm. He didn't care about anything else but me. And it was really cool to experience a guy at that level who was, you know, a lot of, I was more fascinated, not with what he was saying, but how he was connecting with me. Like uh, I knew what he was doing as he was doing it, and it was working. I was like, "Man, this guy is really good at like just developing relationship with, with someone and creating yeah. intimacy." And um, it was just like so fascinating to see the energy come through while he was creating that relationship with me. Yeah. And even if it was like NLP stuff he was doing, uh, it was still just so real and raw that I was just like amazed at his presence wow and it was really cool to be with him for an hour where he was dedicating his energy to me and to like the interview so it was a lot of fun that's awesome it's yeah. funny that you say that because obviously his foundations are nlp yes. and i think probably if you've practiced it for the you know the amount of years that he's practiced it it probably just becomes part of your character anyway like naturally right i mean just he was just really, I mean, it's hard to do it right now, but he was just always like touching me, just constant touching me. And every time I did it, when he'd make a point and then he'd look at me a certain way, I was like, I know what you're doing. <laughs> He's sitting the It's anchors. amazing, <laughs> but I love it. But he was just, the way he was so connected too, was just so cool. That's awesome, man. That's yeah. awesome. All right. So let's talk about your book. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's the, the name School of Greatness is based off your podcast. You've yes. got a massive following online. 
not just with your podcast but through like your facebook mm. and uh periscopes and i saw you on yes. periscope the other day man yeah, yeah. killing it thanks uh so how did you come up with the name the school of greatness and what does greatness mean to you it's interesting i used i grew up with um a learning disability i was you know dyslexic i still am a little bit but i really struggled in school i had a hard time in school i hated school i just wanted to play sports after school and be on the recess because then i could get all of my aggression out i could perform at something i was finally good at as opposed to in school just constantly agonizing and challenging and i couldn't remember things and i couldn't focus but i as I grew up in high school and college and afterwards, I understand the importance of learning and constant education. But the school model that I grew up in didn't work for me. So I said, I want to create a new type of school, a school that anyone can learn from. And it's the most invaluable lessons of our life. Ah, I love it. That apply to having incredible relationships that apply to being healthy and whole and complete emotionally, physically, mentally, that apply to building a business of your dreams or chasing your passion and learning how to build a team around it that apply to leaving a legacy that apply to your heart. They don't teach you how to open your heart and be vulnerable in school. They don't teach you any of that. There's not a class that says, yeah. here's how to be open. Here's how to have a, here's how to have an open mindset. Here's how to uh, connect with someone with vulnerability. In my opinion, the key to success in life in anything is relationships. Yes. You cannot achieve greatness on your own. I would not be able to build something on my own. I would not be able to build this building on my own. I would not be able to launch the podcast to the level it is all by myself. I would not be able to build my business all by myself. It, you could get started. You can get some things going, but to really scale and grow it to a certain point, anything yourself or anything you're creating, you need an incredible team around you. From the moment we're born, we can't do it on our own. So it takes an army, a village, community to do it. So for me, the key to success in life and business is relationships. The key to successful relationships, in my mind, is vulnerability. Mm. And the ability to connect is being vulnerable. Yes. If we're not being vulnerable, we have a shield in front of us that is putting out a perfect image or putting out something that's the representation of you, but it's not the real, authentic you. Yep. So they don't teach that in school. And I had to learn that the hard way. I had to learn that through real life examples and lessons and learning. And so that's what the School of Greatness is about. It's For me, it's been interviewing some of the top people like yourself, but asking the questions that most people don't ask and pulling out of their heart what really matters. Mm. This is interesting, man. So what was the old Lewis like? Let's rewind it. Oh, How many man. years? Like, would you say about five years back before you started this? Six, ten... I mean, here's the thing. I always came from a loving place. Like, I'm very loving, affectionate, okay. curious person. But my ego and my fears get, would get in the way where whatever. I just wasn't as fully open and loving as, as I am now. Mm. And maybe some people may still think I'm not fully open or present or any of these things, and that's fine too. But I know in my heart that I'm very committed to connection and being open and authentic and being as real as possible. Um, but before my ego got in the way a lot and especially playing sports like I was very reactive when any when everyone ever felt like they were attacking me personally I would react right away I was defensive I was guarded I would get really angry so I allowed I was resentful for certain things and I allowed those emotions to control me in specific situations most of the time when things were good I was very loving and open and fun 
But in situations that were challenging or adversity come up, those triggers would take over. Yeah. And that's not how you become a great leader or get anything done by allowing your emotional triggers to control you. And when I learned about that, it was about three years ago when I really started to tap into understanding that and being aware of it and realize, wow, I'm actually really resentful and angry and pissed of what, what happened to me when I was five and pissed of this. And, and I've been holding on to that my whole life. Mm. When I realized that and finally let it go, I was like, man, this is a huge weight off my shoulders. I can be <laughs> free. You know, one of the big things for both of us is freedom. Yes. And I felt like this sense of freedom when I started to let it go and yeah. realize that, wow, I don't have to be so guarded or perfect looking all the time. I can just be myself and that's good enough. That's awesome. So you essentially got out of your own way. Got out of my own way. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. That's great. And that allowed you to connect with so many people. I Absolutely. know that your network, man, you've got A-grade entrepreneur, achievers, incredible yeah. individuals. Um, what has been the number one lesson that you've learned from somebody else that's in your circle of influence? Something that really mm. resonated with you that you feel you've really taken on board. You know, well, I have eight, less, eight key lessons in the book where, where I pulled out of all these interviews I've done in my own life experiences. So I don't know the most like important lesson. I would say that the first thing that comes to mind is that the health is most important thing for us. Like our emotional intelligence and our physical health mm. are the things that actually move us forward. You know, the greatest leaders in the world have incredible emotional intelligence. They might be uh, intellectually, they might have great IQ, but actually their emotional intelligence, understanding how to connect with people, understanding how to manage the emotions of other people and be intuitive to what other people are feeling, thinking, their wants and needs, that is one of the greatest assets when you can tap into that and understand everyone around you what they want and need. When you can go into a room of a thousand people and speak and understand the energy of the people's emotions mm -hmm. from the back seat to the front seat, and that is when you can really make the biggest impact, the biggest change, the biggest transformation by understanding the emotions of other people. Yeah, you can really move a room. I saw you at the uh, Thrive event yeah. that you just spoke at. And it was cool because at the end, you switched it up. Yes. It wasn't just talking about me, 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 me. It was about the room. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of like transformations, people sharing their experiences. Yeah, people so in tears. Awesome. I was watching. It was insane. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Exciting stuff, man. Thanks. Exciting stuff. So you've built multi-million dollar <laughs> online businesses can you tell us a little bit about that like what were the inner workings yeah. of uh, the, 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 the first one i built was a an online education course I, I did my first online product was around linkedin i i was using linkedin a lot to build my own audience to get connections and people started asking me you know can you show me how to do this can you show me how it's done it was back in 2008 2009 mm. and so i started teaching people one by one doing kind of consulting profile makeovers i was like i'll let me get in your profile. I'll hack it up for you and make it look great and show you some things you can do. Pimp it out. <laughs> people were like, people were loving it. And I did a bunch of those, probably a dozen of them. And I started charging for them, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 200 bucks. And I remember I got $300 for one of these two-hour profile makeover sessions. And just feeling like, this isn't worth it. You know, 300 bucks for me was a lot of money then, back in 2008. Yeah. But like, I understood then. I didn't go to business school or didn't know anything about entrepreneurship, but I understood then like, I'm gonna have to do a lot of these to make money. Like, you know, two <laughs> hours at a time, 300 bucks. I was like, ah, that's just not what I wanna do. Like, I wanna impact more people than just one on one. Mm. And my friend was like, you need to write a book then. You need to write a book that you can get 
all the information out in one place and sell it to multiple people. And I was like, okay, cool. Let me write a book. So I wrote a book about LinkedIn and uh, he helped me. He was an author. So we, we worked on it together. And then I sold the book and I went around the country and was doing these LinkedIn meetups around the country already. So I started selling my books at these meetups. And I was like, man, you don't really make that much money with these books. You know, it's like 10, 20 bucks a <laughs> pop that I was selling. I self-published it. Uh-huh. I was printing them for $2.50 a book, selling them for 10 to 20 I was like, man, I want to sell a lot of books to make money. So it's just like adding up the information. Yep. I was like, man, that's a lot of money that I, or a lot of books I want to sell. And then a friend said, why don't you come on a webinar with me to my audience? This guy, Joel Calm. Have you ever heard of him? Yes. Yeah, Big Joel Calm. Yeah. He said, I met him at a conference and I pitched him why LinkedIn was more powerful than Twitter or anything else at the time, which he was big on Twitter. Yep. I was like, here's why you need to use LinkedIn. I gave him like a 30-second pitch. When I was a nobody, 2009, he said, okay. A few months later, he emails me and says, I'm doing this social media boot camp, and I'm doing four webinars. I've got the person on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, but I don't know anyone talking about LinkedIn except for you at All the right. level you're doing it. Can you come on and present for 60 minutes and then sell something at the end? I was like, yes, let's do it. But I had no clue what a webinar was. <laughs> I didn't know how to create a sales page. I didn't know how to collect money. I didn't know how to make a product. I was like, but I knew this was a big moment for me. I was like, Dude, this is my shot. I just want to stop you there. This is funny you're saying this now because if anyone's on Facebook and they like any form of self-development or motivation or anything like that, you're probably going to see uh, Lewis Howe's, uh, you know, course for webinars. So. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I go on this webinar and I'm terrified. I'm asking like my friend who knew about how to build, you know, sales pages, like, can you help me build something? I was asked someone how to run a webinar. I was like, I have no clue what I'm doing. I was so nervous. And I put together these horrible looking slides to do this my first presentation. <laughs> Terrified to speak in front of people still at this time. I, I really didn't feel comfortable speaking in front of an audience. Yeah. Luckily, it was online, so I couldn't see anyone. <laughs> and I do this webinar in 60 minutes. And I didn't create a course or anything because I saw that Mari Smith was doing the Facebook training. Mm. And I, saw, I was just like, what? I watched her webinar before mine, and she was like selling a boot camp. So she didn't even have a product yet, but I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to give a LinkedIn boot camp. Yeah. And essentially, I gave this free presentation. At the end, I sold this boot camp that I was going to start two weeks later. I said, hey, guys, here's a PayPal link. It's 150 bucks. Sign up. And then in two weeks, I'll email you when I'll start this boot camp. I had no clue what was going to happen, but I closed down the webinar opened up my email, and it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> That's awesome. The whole email screen said you've received payment every line on oh. my email and i made sixty two hundred dollars in that 10 minutes at the end of like talking about this this boot camp and sixty two hundred dollars was more money than i ever made probably in the whole previous year mm. right because i was on my sister's couch i was like just hustling and doing all this all this work and i was like wow this was may of 2009 i said if i can make sixty two hundred dollars in an hour from a webinar I'll do a webinar every day for the rest of my life (laughs) and I went all in I mean I have probably done close to a thousand webinars in the last six years wow live webinars I was doing two three four a week for a while Mm. and I just consumed as much information about webinars speaking presenting that I could because I was like I need to master this so for six years I have been doing webinars consistently because it works for me and I started doing boot camps. Then I was like, okay, let me record these. So I don't have to keep like doing these live boot camps and then create a course. And so I would create courses and then sell them on webinars. And I just continually evolve that process. 
And then people were like, can you show me how to do webinars? And so I helped so many of my friends who now make set multiple seven figures a year doing like Amy Porterfield. I got her into webinars. Um, John Lee Dumas, I got into webinars. I was like, you got to create a course yep, and do a webinar. Yep. James Wedmore, uh, David Simon Garland, who now has a webinar course. Um, you know, all these people, Derek Halpern, Ramit Sethi. I was like, you got to do webinars. And when they started doing them, they stopped doing everything else to sell. Yeah. All they do now is webinars. Yeah. And um, and almost everyone has their own webinar course, which I think is funny, who I've, like, trained through, <laughs> through my course because they're like, they see the power of this. Yeah. Um, so it's it's been an incredible journey. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Oh, dude, thanks for sharing that, man. I love it because, you know, you can share advice, <laughs> advice, advice, but I think when you share your own story, people will listen to it and they're like, wow, I can kind of, like, see myself in that similar situation you know because there's a lot of people out there that are still struggling that may still be living on their sister's couch yeah. or uh may even be close to homeless right of course so yeah it's it's amazing man and i really appreciate you sharing that story that's Thank you. that's that's incredible man so with your book is there a chapter mm-hmm. specifically that you're excited about <laughs> you know every chapter to be honest but i mean i would say the first chapter and the last I'm very excited about. Okay. The first chapter is about creating a powerful vision. And a lot of the people that listen to my podcast or that I meet at events who are starting to be entrepreneurs or just in any part of their life, I feel like they don't have a very clear vision of what they want. Mm. And this may seem basic. They may seem like, oh, people taught this before and I've heard this many times that you got to have a vision. But people know this, but they don't actually live it. And, you know, Peter was talking about this on stage, about having a vision and having clear foundation steps and all these different things you want. I've found that this is, you know, the most powerful thing to get started because you can have all the energy, all the hustle, build a great team. Uh, You can, you know, be healthy and fit. You can have all these different things. But if you don't have a vision, where are you going? So getting very clear on what you want. Eight years ago, I had a dream. I had a dream after I read a book that changed my life. I was in a full arm cast. I had surgery. I was sleeping on my sister's couch. Mm. It was uh, Christmas of 2007 going into 2008. Do you celebrate Christmas or no? We celebrate Christmas in Australia. Yes. (laughs) Well, some people in different religions don't celebrate Christmas. We don't usually celebrate Halloween like you guys. (laughs) You guys kill it out It's full on. (laughs) So Christmas, we did something this year that was called Secret Santa, whereas there's uh, four kids in my family. I have three siblings. And essentially, you give one gift to someone else and you get a gift from one other person, but you don't know who is giving you the gift. It's called Secret Santa. You pull a name out of the hat of who you're going to give it to. So that year, my brother gave me the gift. He gave me – it wasn't even wrapped. He just said, hey, bro, here's your gift. And it was a book. It was a book like this. And he just said, here you go, bro. And I don't really read that much. And I struggled with reading, especially back then. I'm much better now. But he gave me this book, and I was like, why would he give me a freaking book? <laughs> but the book is called The 4-Hour Work Week. Uh, and the subtitle was like, you know, live like the new rich, this and this, you know, work from anywhere type of freedom thing. And I was like, I just got done playing professional football, and I had no clue what I was going to do next in my life. I was in a transition. I was kind of depressed. Mm-hmm. And so the book came to me at the perfect time. The subtitle, like everything it spoke about, I was like, yeah, I want to live that life. And so I read the book in three days. And then when I was done, I closed the book up. And I remember saying to myself three things. One, 
is whoever this guy Tim Ferriss is. Like I had no clue who this guy was. <laughs> so I was researching now him. Now your buddies with him. Yeah. Yeah. I said, whoever this guy is, one day I'm going to become great friends with him. I don't know how because he's like a huge celebrity at the time. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to become friends with him, but I'm going to do whatever it takes to become the type of person that he would want to hang out with. Yes. That was number one. That's number, powerful. Well, number yes. two, I said, whoever the agent was for this book, uh, he's going to be my agent. And one day I'm going to write a book like this that opens the minds for so many people, opens possibilities in the minds of so many people, mm. and inspires millions of people around the world to show them what's possible in their life, who needs to get unstuck or who's in a transition or who wants to get to the next level in their life. Yep. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to write this thing because I can barely write. I don't know who I'm going to need to become to, be, to become that person who can write it, but I'm going to figure it out, and it's going to be a number one New York Times bestseller. That was the three things I thought of. I had this dream, this vision. Mm. Right when I closed this up, with a cast on my arm, full arm cast, sitting in this <laughs> position for six months, and I remember yeah. thinking, this is going to happen. I don't know when. It might be 50 years from now, but it's going to happen. Eight years, almost to the date. This was Christmas 2007. Yep. We're now in October 27th, 2015. Mm-hmm. So almost eight years to the date, my dream is coming true. But I had a very clear vision. And I think if I would just been like, oh, that's nice. Maybe one day I want to like create a book. That would be different. Then it would yeah. be like, maybe I just write any book. But I knew I wanted to write a book like this. I knew I wanted to be friends with Tim Ferriss. I knew I wanted his agent. And now he's, I'm good friends with Tim. Mm-hmm. Just hanging out with him a few days ago. Yep. His agent is my agent. I stalked him for three years and made him become my agent. Until he actually came and chased me at one point and said, I need to become your agent for this. This is incredible what you're doing. And now I got a book deal last year. It's coming out. You know, whenever you put this out, it'll be out. Yeah. And so for me, vision is one of the key things I've learned from all the people I've interviewed. People are, the people I've interviewed who are at the top 1% of of their, their game, they're so focused on what they want and they are so clear and they can create something from nothing. You know, I watched this movie, I think it's called Man on the Wire, or the guy who walks the line. I don't know oh, if you, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. He yep, walks the, um, what's it called, Man on the Wire? Or I think it's Man on the Wire. Man yeah. on the Wire, where he yeah. walks across the Twin Towers, uh, the yep. World Trade Center. And I love this movie. I watched it a couple weeks ago, and I loved it because <clears throat> the guy saw a magazine or whatever, a newspaper clipping with these towers that weren't even built yet. They weren't even real. They were an idea that were being built. Mm-hmm. And he drew a line across this magazine and said, I'm going to walk across this. This is my vision. The buildings weren't even created yet, but he did whatever it took to bring a team of people together to fulfill his, his, his vision. Yes. And he could see it so clearly, and he figured out a way to make it work. It's, it blows my mind when I interview these people when they're so clear, and it's like they've known for years what they want to create, and it's not even possible in that moment to create it but they figure out a way to make it happen mm. and they follow the rest of the principles that I talk about to get there. So that's the first principle that I, that I pull away. It was one of my favorite. The second favorite would probably be the last principle. And that is without vision, we're just wandering around aimlessly reacting to what life gives us mm. as opposed yeah. to leading the life we want. The last principle, which is something I've really tapped into in the last few years, more so, I probably didn't have a good a good grasp on when I was younger or even in my early 20s, and that's to live a life of service is the last principle. All these great minds that I interview, 
they have such powerful missions to serve people. Mm-hmm. It may not seem like it. It may not look like it, but they come from a place of wanting to solve problems for people, to be of service, to be loving, to create a legacy forever. And I think specifically a lot of entrepreneurs that we know or that maybe follow us, a lot of the times they're in it for the money. Early on, I was in it for the money. I was like, I'm freaking broke. I'm sleeping on my sister's couch. I need money right now, right? Mm -hmm. And that was my vision. I was like, how can I make... $1,000 $1,000 a month, 5000 10000 20000 100000 a month. How can I build that? Because I needed it. I was like, my basic needs weren't met. Once I learned how to make that money, I was like, there's got to be more than this. Like, just making this money is not that fulfilling. Like, my health was going in and out of whack. My relation, I was just like working all day, all night. I was like, this isn't that great. Once I started to have a clear vision of my level of service that I wanted to create. It was like I had so much more energy throughout the day and I had such, so much more fun and enjoyment and deeper relationships and connection because I was living a bigger life of service. So I would say that the two principles that I'm, you know, I love the most is creating a vision, which again seems so basic and simple for people, but most of us aren't clear on our vision. And then making sure that every day we are living a life of service from the people we walk by on the street, how we show up to them. Are we smiling or are we putting our heads down? Are we opening doors for people or are we being selfish and going first? Are we leaving people better than when we left? Are are we leaving people better off when we leave them before we found them? Or did we leave a bad taste in their mouth? You know, this is just the simple things we can do. Not even talking about like our level of charity and, and service that we offer to the world and, and what we're investing in and people and things like that, but just like how we're showing up and being on a consistent basis can change so much around the people around us and is a big way to serve people as well. Yeah, that's a great point, man. It's uh, it's so simple, but it's so necessary. Yes. And uh, yeah, a lot of people say those things, but I, I'm so excited to actually go into depth with what you've written in your book Thanks, man. and really uh you know find out what the greats have been saying and yes. what you've learned through your own experiences that's awesome Thank you. and also it was interesting what you said about uh how you first got into you know webinars and everything for the money and in our society there is this big thing of like you've got to give back you've got to you know contribute and that and it almost like people almost feel guilty if they say that it's about money it's like the elephant you know the elephant in the room right yeah I think that it's okay if your motivation in the beginning is money. Sure, sure. It just means that you haven't worked out what your actual why is. And, and you're going to eventually do that. Yeah. But just don't hang around the money thing for too long, right? Yeah. And listen, uh, you know, we're building businesses, so it is about the money. But I think it's about when you can learn to build your business around serving people at the same time, then that's the sweet spot. If you're just making money to make money for yourself, I feel like you're missing the point. That's why you see a lot of the big companies thriving who have charitable components, who are giving back to the communities. It's like they thrive even more because of that level of service. They're being rewarded for that level of service. That's perfect. So if you exactly. So if you can even if you're like uh, you know, if you're all about the money, even if you just focus on, okay, for this next product launch, I'm going to build a school, I'm going to attach a charity and give back to something that I believe in. You're just going to have more energy. People are going to get behind you more. They're going to believe in you because you're doing something to serve other people than just yourself. It's going to serve you even more 
by being by giving. Yes. It's yes. going to serve you even 100%, 100%. more. It's going to, you know, you're going to be an abundant living when you're thinking of how can I give to people at all times. Yeah. But you know, you got to run a business too. And like, I'm making money every day and I love money. You know, don't, don't get me wrong. I want to make more money all the time. Every day I'm <laughs> focusing on making more money, but it's also how can I impact the world in a bigger way with the money? Yeah. As yep. opposed to just how can I make it to buy things? Like, I don't have fancy cars. I don't have, you know, this is a pretty simple place that I use as my home and my office. This is in my studio. I've got an office over there and I've got a, a car that's $4,000. And I don't have like expensive things that I'm constantly buying. I don't have jewelry, watches, like none of that is important to me. Mm. What's important to me is living healthy, um, having great relationships with people, having great experiences and access to, to other in- incredible human beings or opportunities. And uh, I have nothing against people who have nice cars and nice watches and nice clothes because that's fine too. Um, and maybe someday I'll want to have that. But for me, it's about the experiences and making sure that I'm completely healthy, completely whole, working on, um, you know, staying fit and active so that I can have the energy to do what I do and impact people in a bigger way. You know, I'm about to go on this book tour for like a month and a half, and I've been traveling around already pre-book tour. And if I wasn't taking care of my health, all I was doing was focus on the money, 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 and the watches and the bling and this and that. And my, I have friends who do that, and they're like 70 pounds overweight, and they look exhausted, <laughs> right? They look exhausted. I'm like, yeah. what's the point if you don't have the energy mm-hmm. to have fun and to experience life at the fullest because you're so fixated on the money? So for me, you've got to have that semi – you've got to have the awareness that it's more than just money, and you can focus on the money as long as there is a give back mm. component to it. Mm. That's right. And what's sad about you know people that are in that position is they're forcing smiles when they're around everybody else. They're actually having to like really put a show on and pretend that they're all good. Yeah, you got to keep the uh, the, the act facade, up, you know? right? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So, man, I I'm in the middle right now of writing my own book. Yes, right? I'm excited so for you, man. I can kind of feel I can excited feel your pain because I know there's a little bit of pain in the book writing process. Dude, Everyone I speak to it's a struggle, says man. It's, it's a struggle. It's a challenge, right? It's Definitely a, a struggle. But that's the beauty of it, man. Well, how do you handle the creativity process? How you do know, you get creative? Here's the thing. <clears throat> I the thing that I've done really well is I've been able to break down ideas in packageable, consumable. Uh, styles because for me it's always hard to learn so i was like okay i need to be able to break this down so it's so easy for me to understand and learn when i have like a big idea or a concept yeah um like how to run a webinar that's you know how to make six figures with webinars every month i had to break it down in simple processes and steps and so when i was like how do you live a great life how do you achieve anything you've ever wanted well that seems like it could be a lot so how can i make it so simple for people where they're inspired and then have actionable exercises on how to improve this key area in their life. Mm. So I was like, I need to write the book that I could read. And if I can't understand it, then no one else could understand it. I can't be like this. You know, I was like, I'm not Malcolm Gladwell. I'm not some poet. I'm not some philosopher who's going to be able to write this incredible uh, literature, this like poetry that's going to like sound beautiful. I'm going to be able to write something that's like actionable and it's going to get people that's going to transform their life and it's got to be so simple you know the the simplest books have actually created the most transformation for people and the biggest results yes i think of like uh you know the five love languages right it's like simple five things 
but how many millions of books has he sold, right? Mm. I think of like the four agreements. It's like a simple book, but how many millions of copies has he sold from that process? So for me, uh, I wanted to create something simple. Now, I also know that I'm not the best writer. I'm actually pretty good at, I've become pretty good. I've trained myself at blog posts and writing pretty good articles. So I know I've developed a great skill, but I'm still not the level I wanted to be. So I brought a team together. I brought one of the best agents, Tim Ferriss's agent, who I was like, I need you to make sure you read through this and help me edit the proposal so that we can sell this thing mm. and sell it in a big way so that my message comes across powerfully. Mm. So my agent edited, I hired a ghostwriter to help me write the proposal first off. So we were working back and forth, all my own content, my words, my ideas. He would flesh it out and, and, and fill in the blanks. Then my agent helped edit and package it with me with 25, 30 years of experience as a publisher, then working as an agent, he knew how to package it even better so that we could sell it. Then once I sold it, I hired a couple writers to help me craft the rest of the book, you know, 250 pages, where we worked together side by side for five months, working and writing it together. If I tried to do it all on my own, there's no way it would be where it's at. It would be half the job it is at best, or it would have taken me four more years to get it to where I needed to be while I was running my business. So for me, the creative process has been involving the most talented people that I know in the book world, from the agents, publisher, writers, editors, the most talented people. Because I know if you want to achieve greatness in anything, you've got to have a winning team. That's one of the principles in the book as well. You've got to have that team around you. And I can already tell that you are wanting to do a lot of this on your own. Because we talked before, <laughs> we did talk and you're in this, this process, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're like, I'm grinding away, I'm doing this, and I think it's awesome. You can do a lot of it on your own, but I'm telling you, at some point, you're going to want to bring in an expert who does this, who can look at it from a different point of view, mm. and add even more value, yep. and show you what you're missing. Yeah, That's going to be key for you to make yours a bestseller, or something that just does well with your audience. Yes. Is, Second pair of eyes. Bringing that team Third on. Third pair of ears. All that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, I wanted to bring the best coaches, writers, editors, teammates to make this the best it can possibly be. If I did it all myself, it wouldn't be at this level. So that's been the creative process. And then, really, the book has not even begun, right? I'd spent eight years of a vision to write this book, eight years of a dream to become the man I needed to become so that I had the knowledge, resources, tools, results that I could back up these points in here. So the book came first. There's a book in your mind. The book and in my you mind. Built and then I, yourself up to the level that it needs to be. That's crazy. I built man. myself up That's to crazy. to have the credibility to be able to put this out there so that it could actually be that people would actually buy it. Because mm. I felt like I knew a lot of these principles that I've lived in the sports world before this, but it wasn't until I was able to translate it into building businesses, selling companies, you know, messing up constantly in business, in relationships. To where I was like, okay, now I've got the real life experience for eight more years to back up what I created in sports at a top level, mm. and uh, and and kind of show the case of those results, that social proof. Now the book was completed, right? The book is done, but it's actually just beginning, because now I've been working, building like this marketing machine for the last eight years as well, learning all the tools I need to to promote a book studying, researching, talking with the top book marketing experts in the world about how to get the book out there. Because as my friend Derek Halpern would say from Social Triggers, the content you write doesn't matter if no one reads it. 
Wow. The content does not yeah. matter if no one reads it. Let's go ahead and look at it. Yeah. So he writes like 2.3 blog posts a month or something like that. <laughs> and then in all day he's promoting, promoting, promoting every wow, blog post. He's not writing a post a day and then putting it out there. It's about less content for him and more promotion and finding new audiences to read one article as opposed to the same audience reading a new article every day. Wow. So now the time begins is tapping into people like you and everyone else that I've built relationships with for the last eight years to promote one idea. Yes. To promote one thing and focus on all my energy into getting this out there so people buy and then read it. How many times do we buy a book? I mean, I've got so many books up here that are <laughs> from, uh, from people that I've had on the podcast. I have a lot of their books on my shelf. But so many times I buy tons of books myself that I'm like, I'm always at Barnes & Noble and bookstores visualizing. I've been walking into Barnes & Noble every week for the last eight years seeing my book on the front shelf right there. It's about to happen. It's about to be in the front and center of every Barnes & Noble in the country. And I've been visualizing it literally. I would take photos of myself in front of Barnes & Noble and say, I'm, I'm seeing myself and my book here um, and it's going to happen. Like you could go through yes, back in Snapchats and Facebook videos like I'm constantly posting in Barnes & Noble. Yes. And um, <clears throat> the marketing is where it all begins now because people will buy books but to get them to open it and read the first chapter and go past the first chapter, that's when you get to the juice. Mm -hmm. So you got to write a great enough book that people want to read past the first chapter. Otherwise, they're going to close it and they're not interested. I remember when I read The 4-Hour Workweek and The Alchemist, I couldn't put the books down. And usually, I can't wait to close it. Like, I usually, like, after the first few pages, I'm, like, bored. So you've got to write something so powerful for me to want to keep reading because it's hard for me to read and stay focused. Yep. Because all of the smartphones and videos and all the attention that's being pulled everywhere. So now that the book is done and it's a great read, now the marketing begins. Because you've got to get people to open, buy it, open it, read it, and then talk about it. Which is a 70%. 30% is creating it and the 70% <laughs> yes. is marketing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see that, man. So it's this crazy. is where it's beginning. For the last three months... I've been doing five, six interviews a day on podcasts, press, blog posts, you know, the news, any type of news. I did news this morning in, L in L.A. Then I went to a book event right afterwards and signed books. Now I'm doing this. I've got an interview right after you. Awesome, awesome. got Yes. And I've been creating the marketing before the book comes out. For months before, I've been doing the work that's scheduled to go out the week, the next week of the book launch. That's just starting the process. After the first four weeks, for me, that's when it really starts to begin of marketing something. So for me, this is just the beginning of <laughs> an avalanche of promotion and showing up for people and providing value in any way possible so that they have to, it's like they're forced to buy the book because they're like, I have to know what's in this book and I can't wait to get started. Mate, it's great that you know that, right? It's great that you know that this is the beginning. <laughs> it's the beginning. And also, I'm so I'm happy, man, that I'm part of the vision of sharing it. Thank and you. And helping you to share it. I'm so, very grateful that you yeah. are. It means a lot to me. Thank you, man. Yeah. Um, something that uh, Paulo Coelho, because speaking of the albums, <coughs> Paulo Coelho actually uh, said recently that made a lot of sense to me. He said that when you're writing a book, you just you do the best that you can. Right? You it, do man. the best that you can. You have the things in place. But he said it's like having a kid. He says, it's like having this kid, you, it's like a, sometimes it's like, a, you know, the writing process, maybe a nine-month process. And then all of a sudden this kid comes out, which is the book, 
right? And then it starts growing legs and you don't know if it's going to be a stuff up, if it's going to be like this crazy teenager or whatever. Like mm-hmm. you just got to let it go out in the world and see what happens. And I think that if you've been focusing, which I know you have, been focusing on quality content, this thing will be around for the rest of your life. Con- I and, hope so. and, and then, you know, however many years after that, you That's know, my decades goal. after that, centuries yeah. after that, right? That's my goal is to create something so powerful and timeless that people can use in a decade from now to be still relevant and powerful for people to get to that next level. Anyone who's stuck wants to get to the next level, get the book. Gives you the answers. There you go, guys. Get the book, The School of Greatness. Okay, Check it out on Amazon. It's going to be on Amazon, right? Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com. Where else can they uh, tap into Lewis House? Yeah, LewisHouse.com or The School of Greatness podcast on on, uh, iTunes as well. Or anywhere, at Lewis House, anywhere on social media. Here's a question, man, about your podcast. Who was a guest that just like blew you away? You didn't, you didn't maybe do much research, or they referred to you. You didn't really know what to expect, and then you're like, "Whoa, this is epic." You know, this guy, his name is Rob Bell, and uh, did I mention him already to you? Rob Bell, he's one of the Time Magazine's top 100 most influential people in the world. No, you haven't mentioned. He's written a number of best-selling books. He last year or two years ago, he toured with Oprah. It was Oprah on this huge tour around the country, and uh, it was Rob Bell, Elizabeth Gilbert from Eat, Pray, Love, that book, and Deepak Chopra. It was those four on tour. And someone, his, his manager reached out to me and said, hey, you should have this guy on your podcast. And I was like, who is this guy? I never heard of him, and I wasn't even interested. But I was like, okay. I saw the Time Magazine, top 100 most influential people in the world. I was like, how have I never heard of this guy? And let's get him <laughs> on if, if Time Magazine, right? And so I had him on, and he is a guy who built one of the largest churches in the country, like 12,000 members in like a year or something in Michigan. This was years ago, who left the church, and now he's been doing his own thing. And he came in here in this studio, and he just blew my mind about, we talked about religion, spirituality, faith, God. And I just asked him a lot of different questions of like just everything. And his answers were so interesting to me. They were just so intuitive, insightful. He wasn't speaking about one religion or a practice, but he was just very insightful in his way of being and his philosophy. And I really appreciated his energy and his insights uh, about spirituality and everything, you know, about the universe and what we're doing here and what's moving forward and, and how it can be our greatest selves from that perspective. So a guy named Rob Bell. Fascinating. Yeah. Do you know the episode number? How many have you got? Okay, How many like episodes have you got? 242 I've got. Yeah, I'll find it right now while we're talking. But he just had a... 242. Uh, he just... He had me on his podcast. He's got a podcast called the Rob Bell Podcast. Um, and he had me on. The week afterwards, he had Oprah on. Oh. Yeah, so it was... great uh, exposure for you, dude. It's crazy, <laughs> yeah. So this is episode 175. So if you go to lewishouse.com slash 175, you'll hear an incredible episode with Rob Bell. There you go. Awesome. Thanks so much, Lewis. Yeah. All right, mate. We're wrapping up this interview right now. And I have the final question for you. You might have heard it before on one of my episodes. The question is, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? I'm going to time it right now because I see it coming on here. (laughs) Last 30-second speech to the world, what would it sound like? You were born here with an incredible, unique gift, a gift that only you can add to the world. It's your duty. It's your responsibility. It's your mission to discover 
what your talents and gifts are. It's your mission and duty to follow every single dream you've ever had and ever are going to have. Follow them with 100% of your heart. 100% give to your dreams. Because that life, that way of being, that way of living, of living your dreams to the fullest, will inspire and impact so many people around the world. And that's what you're born to do. Oh, man, that's crazy. And you weren't looking at the time, but your eyes were closed. You were feeling that, which is even more important than trying to set it within the 30 seconds. Yeah. So Maybe it might have been 45 seconds. It, I don't know. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Thanks so much for joining us, man. Thank you. Appreciate Alrighty. it. All the best with your book sales too, man. Thank You're going to crush it. Appreciate awesome. it.